Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, and today we're talking to Martin Rickman. He's the editorial director of Uprock Sports and Die Magazine and just added gaming to that title. Uprox is a leading publication that brands itself as covering the culture of now. The publication focuses on film, music, fashion, and sports. And on October 30th, Uprox added gaming to that mix with Martin overseeing it. Uprox Edge, where the Edge stands for Experiential Development for Gaming and Esports, is a new vertical aimed at the intersection of pop culture and gaming. Martin came on the show back in July to talk about a new event series in partnership with VY Esports called Edge, and now Uprox is expanding gaming coverage under the Edge banner. Some of their initial pieces on the new vertical look at the rise of Fall Guys, the overlap of streetwear and esports, and the blurred lines between films and video games. They'll also leverage their work in other areas to bring on musicians and athletes to talk about why they love gaming and share their unique experiences. Hoops fans likely know Uprox through Dime, a leading basketball magazine for nearly two decades. As we've seen, many basketball players in particular flock to streaming, especially during this past spring with COVID shutting down the NBA season. There are more crossovers than ever between the NBA and gaming circles. Martin himself is a long-standing sports writer who has spent time with the Cleveland Browns, SB Nation, and Sports Illustrated before joining Uprox six years ago. Martin, why did you... Oh, Martin, thank you for joining the show. Hey, how's it going? It's good to talk to you again, Mitch. I was so excited to ask you questions. I almost forgot to, to welcome you on. Hey, I like to just dive right in. <laughs> <laughs> so, Martin, why did you feel right now was the best time to expand Uprock's coverage to gaming? You know, it's one of those things where the current situation, it looks like it dictated what we were doing, but in the reality, it just ended up accentuating what we were doing. I mean, back in probably October of last year, it was really hard to ignore the sheer gravity that gaming was having and the control that it was going to have over not just society, but over how we tend to consume uh, both media, but also sports in general. I mean, we've, we've seen for a long time, it's kind of been at arm's length for both brands and partnerships and other things. And as it's continuing to develop here, it became so much more universal. It was not a situation where it was just something you heard about, you know, for a, a while there, it was, if someone was talking about Twitch and you weren't in the Twitch world, you would kind of nod or tune out. And now it's one of those things where if you're not someone who's on Twitch, if you don't have favorite streamers, if you're not doing it yourself, if you're not playing among us with your friends, you're missing out. Major politicians are on there. <laughs> Everyone that you followed from celebrity, culture, sports, fashion, film, television, is either on Twitch, has been on Twitch, or at some point will be if they're not there yet. And it's just one of those things where it's an opportunity to extend beyond for personality development in a way that we haven't seen since Twitter really came on the scene. You know, that was our opportunity first to say, now we're a little bit more connected to the people that we care about and the people that we look up to. But this is a chance now to see them in their element and go beyond that. When you're seeing LeBron James streaming, <laughs> when you're seeing the Los Angeles Lakers as a whole being on there playing 2K or playing Warzone or, or you know, almost sometimes dropping exclusive information that typically would be reserved for journalists, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not following along. And so it was a situation for us where, you know, we were keeping track of that and wanted to do so and wanted to jump in more. But it was just looking for that entry point and that opportunity to do it in a way that felt like it would be 
authentic to us and what we like to do, not just at the sports vertical, but at Uprox as a whole, but also be done in a way that we could do it and, and feel like it would be done right. And we saw a need in the esports and, and gaming space where there's sometimes a lack of empathy and a lack of understanding and really a lack of context about what these individuals go through, who is gaming, what the challenges are of people who are gaming on a day-to-day -day basis, and just the personalities that they have. You know, you, you get a surface level with a lot of these things, but there's a chance here to really explore the deeper side of issues that are facing all of us on a day-to-day -day basis through the lens of gaming. And I, I think that's what's so exciting about it for me is to take essentially the approach that we've taken at Dime um, and really attribute it to a space that deserves it. It deserves that care and so much time and energy and really creative energy as a whole is being spent in this space. And I think we owe it to ourselves to explore that, but also to do so in a manner that has that sensitivity and, and really proves that gaming is for everyone. Absolutely. A lot of really interesting things of that that I, I want to follow up on. But just personally, I'm so excited. I read Uproxx constantly. been reading Dime for, for years upon years now. And I'm really excited to see more thoughtful gaming writing. That's not to say that my fellow gaming journalists out there aren't being thoughtful. Uh, but there's definitely some unique opportunities, especially in esports writing, uh, to tell some stories that just aren't being told out there. And so I'm really excited to see what Uproxx does in that space. So I, I want to talk about esports later and specifically how uh, competitive gaming fits into your guys' plan for coverage going forward. Uh, but first, I want to talk about that NBA uh, and just the crossover of all the athletes on Twitch because it's been such an interesting development seeing uh, people like Devin Booker, seeing you mentioned LeBron James. It's like everyone is streaming on Twitch and providing this really unique access that you get there. And I feel like we're going to reach a point where it, it was always historically all-star weekend is when trades started happening, when free agents met and they formed super teams. And I feel like it's going to be war zone lobbies going forward. Where yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at that, honestly. I mean, there are situations where like I... I don't know if this is exactly what happened, but I'm pretty sure like J.R. Smith had talked about his workout with the Lakers on Twitch before anyone else had found out about it. So, yeah, I think there's if, if guys love playing together online, they are going to maybe talk about playing together in real life. Like you see Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker, who at, would be a formidable two person team in pretty much anything they would Ooh, decide to do gaming wise. But, you know, there's already been these rumors of them <laughs> wanting to play together. Well, you have them and then add in like D'Angelo Russell, who's now already on the Timberwolves. Well, not saying they're going to play together, but you get them a little bit more familiar. It's not just a situation where you have to go to Cabo together to do it. Or like you said, USA basketball or, or all-star weekend, you know, it's, it's these, these opportunities for these players to connect on a deeper level it's so much easier than it ever used to be. And it goes beyond even just streaming. I mean, these guys playing fantasy leagues together for premier league. I mean, there, there are opportunities where they're now making wine together. They're doing <laughs> business opportunities as a group. And it's just so exciting to see, you know, the same things that we're doing as, as, as human beings where we have to stay connected and being connected is kind of how we make it through difficult situations you know, worldwide. And we, if we're not doing so now, if we're not having house parties and group me's and discord chats and Slack servers and everything like that, we're missing out because we're not having those day-to-day -day interactions that really bring us joy, but also spark those sort of things that create long lasting change. And also those, those creative sparks that create 
you know, magic, so to speak, whether it is on creating a team long, you know, down the line, or if it's just like starting a business or a startup or, or anything like that. I mean, I, I just think we're going to have to redefine what it means to stay connected. And I think Twitch streaming, esports, and gaming collectively as a whole is going to do that for us. And it, I think, like I said before, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not paying attention to that and opting in. I, you know, you can still say to yourself, maybe this isn't for me, but I see what my friends are doing when they play among us. And if I'm not involved in that, I feel like I'm missing out a little bit. And, and I think there's a, a big portion of, you know, where we are culturally that in the last six to nine months, yeah, that's, that's something I think a lot of us have, have rectified if you weren't already in that space. Absolutely agree. And I have a follow up that but first I have to shout out CJ McCollum's wine McCollum Heritage 91. Uh, it's actually an amazing Pinot Noir. Uh, shout out to CJ and the wine business that has taken over the NBA recently. Uh, you mentioned how gaming has become this key part of popular culture. And I think that's really the core of it is you know, film and TV was always this main part of popular culture. Maybe you don't enjoy it. That's fine. Uh, sports has always been a main part of popular culture. Maybe you don't enjoy it. That's fine. And gaming's finally reached the point where you have to at least accept the fact that it is a main part of popular culture, along with music, along with film and TV, along with sports. And gaming's finally reached that level of adoption where it has to be recognized. Even if it's not your cup of tea, you have to recognize it. And then that means you have to know if your company has a gaming strategy, how you're going to connect with that audience. You just have to understand the space. We've reached that point. Uh, I think it's really interesting. So, you know, I, a lot of people say it's, oh, this happened during the pandemic, but a lot of this was happening prior to the pandemic. You think about Drake joining Ninja on a Fortnite stream in 2018, and then Travis Scott and Juju Smith-Schuster join in. It's like, that's a key moment of popular culture, and that's prior to any pandemic. Uh, going long tail, you mentioned how Uprox has thought about this pre-pandemic. When was Uprox first considering uh, expanding into more gaming culture, and how did that lead to the run-up of Uprox Edge? Yeah, it was a situation where we really started doing some more work in the gaming space, probably mid to late 2019. We've always had a presence, and even before I came on, there were some really interesting explorations in the space of, you know, really technology forward and then kind of gaming underneath that umbrella at Uproxx. And due to turnover and, and you know, different pivots and changes in editorial direction over the years, you know, it kind of ended up being more of a question mark than a flag to plant, so to speak. And we saw that there was an opportunity there, but more importantly, saw that we had a roster of individuals who were interested in, in exploring that, but also had passion in that. And so, you know, we started seeing chances to go to, you know, development conferences and, and opportunities to see, you know, maybe let's go to E3 or let's talk about going there. And then, then some of the campaign opportunities started to present themselves too, where you see, okay, well, not only is this something that, that would be fun for us to do and to explore and to, do so with care and tact like we like to, but there's also some long <laughs> opportunities out of this that that could create chances for our guys to really thrive under these sorts of situations. And, you know, we, we have a roster of, of writers who, you know, really do make gaming a part of their life. And we'd talked to Juju about Madden, you know, even in either 2018 or 2019, we've 
seeing that Michael B. Jordan is getting associated with certain things and, and being a part of gaming companies. We saw what Shaq and Rick Fox was doing, and it was just a matter of time until we really saw an opportunity to cross that over, like you said. And, you know, guys like Cat were playing and not just playing, but playing well and winning pro-am tournaments. And you've got Vince Staples, who likes the game, and you have T-Pain, who's all over the place. So it it really touched pretty much every single component of what we do at Uprox, what Uprox is known for and in, in, in culture. And so if we wouldn't have ourselves a place for gaming culture where I kind of take the keyhole reference, you know, you look through there and you see everything that that is there to offer. But in the inverse, if you're flipping it back to the outside keyhole, you know, you're allowed to really drill down and get specific, even if you're in a big room. And so I, I think it's always important for us to be able to show if you're a casual person who's heard of this individual, maybe you'll be interested in X. And that was really how we did it with Game of Thrones, with comic book movies, with The Walking Dead when it was at its peak. You know, Uprox was on top of those things. And then a certain player individuals really passionate about it. Aaron Rodgers is talking about it in locker rooms or, you know, Stephen Adams is, is talking about wanting to get a cameo on the show when Game of Thrones is at, you know, it's very, very, very peak when you couldn't escape it. And I think we're at that place where gaming has become that for people. Sure, there were people who weren't watching Game of Thrones every week, but you knew what it was and you decided not to watch it. It wasn't something that you could just like avoid. And it's the same as the Marvel Universe. It's the same as jumping into the Snyder Cut for DC. And I think we're just at a place where, you know, we we needed that. It, it was it, it wasn't really a question for us anymore. It was just something that evolved naturally. And then as conversations started to develop in December and January and February, you know, we we had long term plans to create this and develop this. Like you said, I, I don't think this was pandemic driven. I really believe that the pandemic more just served to accentuate and speed up the process for everyone, not just for a vertical launch. Yeah, it just highlighted how many athletes were gaming when you start having things like the NBA 2K tournament uh you start having mls have a tournament madden have a tournament it's like wow all these athletes game oh now they're setting up twitch streams now they have some time to dedicate towards this uh and there's no sports on tv so i'm a fan of this person well i'll, I'll go watch devin booker's twitch stream oh wow he's actually pretty good at this it it, it just accelerated the adoption of it it also turned a lot of athletes and musicians into good streamers not just throwing a camera on and, and doing it uh, i remember so i used to work for national football post like two years ago and one of my first assignments was to go through every team pick out their 10 stars on their team and figure out if they have any connections to gaming and esports and i did and quite a few of them had twitch channels you know through twitter or something and i'd pull up and they'd have 30 like 30 viewers live they wouldn't be talking to chat they wouldn't have a cam on and i was like oh wow they they're on Twitch. They clearly want to do this, but they don't see how to actually do this successfully. And that's been one of the big things that the pandemic has changed is that streamers now, athletes and musicians now understand how to stream well and to turn it into a platform where they're actually disseminating information, where they're uh, working with other celebrities, they're building connections, building bridges to other areas of culture. Uh, and that's been a really awesome development. You know, I, I hesitate to make anything uh, a big positive out of the pandemic, but that's been one of the really cool things to see uh, specifically in the gaming world. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think a big part of it for me too is the accessibility and the ease of use have also finally gotten to a place where 
it makes sense for people. This isn't a situation where you have to build your own PC or spend thousands of dollars creating a game, a, a gaming console or a, you know, a gaming system that you used to where you need all of this to do it in a, a way that makes sense and allows you to. I mean, everything has moved forward at such an incredibly fast rate that now, I mean, what do you need? You need a, a process, you need a card to stream and then you just need your console and you need the same Wi-Fi that pretty much anyone can get for about 60 months a month, depending on where you live. Like that was huge. It, it, it removes all the barriers to entry that were already there. And while people wanted to do it previously, like maybe their roadmap wasn't there to follow or there was, you know, a, a cost factor in place. Well, if guys are staying home, especially if you look at athletes, they're staying home, they're not spending money on the road, they're not having to go out to pay for meals, they're not having to go out to do anything from an entertainment perspective. They're probably not buying any new clothes because they're not going anywhere because they were home for a few months. Well, you can spend a few hundred dollars to get this set up and you talk to your friends about what do I need to do this? It's the same thing we all do. And we're talking about, okay, well, I, I've thought about getting a mini projector. How, what do I need to do that? What, what would I need to do that on the side of my garage so that I could have a movie night at my house? Like we all have these conversations and you have to remember that all these athletes are, have friends are staying connected or human beings. They're, they're asking the same questions. So when they see one guy on their team or a guy that they went to college with is really good at this, they want to do it too. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's culturally, we want to feel like we're a part of something or we do have FOMO. Like, and I think there's a large portion of these players who they didn't want to miss out on the chance to have a good time playing Warzone. So you see even a lot of the like 35 year old NBA players getting involved in it. Like JaVale McGee, like loves Warzone. Well, yeah, it's an opportunity to goof around. You always respawn. You can do crazy stuff and then just show back up again. You're fine. If you didn't do well one game, you fire it back up. You have another game. There's an improvisational nature to it, but there's also this idea. And, and it, it really goes back to a lot of the psychological elements of we, as humanity, we need to play. We thrive when we have the ability to play. And if you don't explore that drive, you're missing out on something and, and you're actually stunting your own growth creatively and, you know, long-term personally. And so this gives a, an extra space, especially when we're not able to get out and explore the world around us the way that we're used to, it still offers that opportunity for guys. And I think it's just the ease of use, but also, you know, the, the opportunity that's provided really, really has, it's it's been mind blowing to me, just like you said, you know, watching this happen in real time. It, I feel lucky that we're exploring the space because if we weren't and we hadn't already made plans to do so, I would have felt like we were being left behind and I would have felt like I was missing out too, you know, as someone who wants to be a part of these cultural conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's also kind of crazy is that this is the area that I came out of school and wanted to go to. I've always been a big sports guy and always been a competitor through esports, playing Rocket League, playing Hearthstone, playing whatever game I can, watching plenty of esports. And I've always found uh, that they're really two sides of the same coin, esports and sports are. And yet I don't feel like there's a ton of places doing the coverage that sits at the intersection of those two areas. You see some of it on ESPN, but ESPN esports is pretty dedicated to hardcore esports specifically league of legends they they do some crossover for sure uh but i feel like there's a big opportunity there and i think uprox fits at that niche of where athletes meet gamers and the different stories that can come out of that it, it's a really interesting subsection 
and I feel like it's an undercovered one, which is a which is a good not undercover uh, undercovered from a journalistic perspective. I thought undercover like a police officer for some reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> my brain's just fried ten months into the pandemic, but it's good. Uh, and so I, it's something that I'm really interested in learning more about. Uh, but I do want to be cautious of your time, and because we're on an esports podcast, I think I should talk a little bit about esports. Uh, and so I'm curious, you know, the people have different definitions of what constitutes gaming and what is esports. Some people are very narrow. Some people are pretty broad. How do you see esports, especially as it relates to Uproxx? And where does esports competitive video gaming fit into your coverage? Yeah, you know, that's that's a question we're kind of constantly asking ourselves too, because the definition of what esports is has really changed. I mean, I, I wouldn't have predicted that you would have, you know, individuals who could jump into a Warzone tournament to potentially play for $2,500, you know, a year ago, you know, I, I thought it would be a little bit more structured. I felt like, you know, you have to prove yourself. You have to develop essentially the same system that the pro leagues have developed where, you have either a startup mentality or, you know, a, a pro sports mentality and, and owning franchises, developing those franchises, creating and sustaining, fostering and identifying talent, and then coaching that talent to a level where you, you're able to compete at a high level and then having various leagues beneath that top tier that essentially serves not just as a farm system, but as an opportunity for people to develop their skills from an amateur to a pro level. At, at, at the baseline of it, that's kind of what you think esports is going to be well you know even in the last few months that definition of of what that hypothesis is has completely been shattered you know there are opportunities for you to jump onto a main stage and do so in in a really resounding fashion whether you are myers leonard or you are just someone who's sitting on their couch who you know has spent a lot of time perfecting their craft putting ten thousand hours into a certain game and now you feel like you can compete at the level of which you know, some really, really powerful individuals have. I think as a whole, esports is, you know, it's not just about making money and winning championships. I, I think for me, culturally, it truly is about competitive gaming. And and on a lot of in a lot of ways, that's not really a definable thing because competing to me feels like finding a way to get together with friends to win and to still want to be better and to put in time to get better, even if you're not participating in Smash Brothers Melee tournaments. And so I think that's where it's opened the space up for us is for a long time. And maybe I was mistakenly, you know, thinking about it this way, but you look at League of Legends, you look at Rocket League, you look at, you know, what's developed with Valorant, you look at Call of Duty and all of these games where they had very sustainable models for what, these tournaments look like the uh, street fighter and, and melee and, and some of these other games that that's what they were and that's how they were going to operate. Well, I, I just think that the ceiling has been completely smashed now. And I, I think we're looking at a situation where we can't define esports as one tangible thing. And I think that's really for the best. And I think that's going to lead to a lot more opportunity, but also opening this up to a much wider audience moving forward. I don't think we have that definition yet. And I think that's maybe why I'm struggling to come up with it. But I think it's just that spirit of competitiveness. I, I think it's really similar to what we've seen with basketball, where, you know, the NBA is a league, but basketball is worldwide. And I think we're going to see that with esports, you know, and we have. It's it's just a matter of time before, 
you know, it, it, it's a lot more universal. It's a lot more accessible for, for everybody. I, I'm not saying we're all going to get out there and make 25 grand playing video games, but <laughs> you know, everyone can treat themselves like they're a pro streamer. It's so easy. Now it was not easy. It, 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 maybe it was, but the roadmap is there because so many people have had so much success and, you know, in two years it's going to change again. But I think we're in an inflection point where, you know, everything kind of always ramps up and then it becomes adoptable for, for a larger portion of the audience. And I think we're at that, that place right now where it, it, it's very similar to, to how Robin hood transformed the stock market. You don't really have an excuse not to do it. You can, anyone can fire up Twitch and stream. Like it's, it's not something that's difficult to do anymore. Uh, it, it's a very, very easy thing. And so I think that mindset of competitive gaming and esports really has bled into that where it's more about who you are and your growth and, and your exploration of various games. For sure. Yeah. The, the removal of barriers to entry, Robinhood's a great comparison there. Uh, and it's something that we're seeing a lot with among us as well. A ton of my friends who are not gamers, maybe occasionally played, played an old video game. You know, my, uh, best friend from growing up was would just play Skyrim. He's just been playing Skyrim for eight years now. And that's just the only video game he plays. And he's he's into Among Us because all it takes is downloading a free app. You get it on your phone in a minute, you put in a code and you're in a game. And it's just like that. The tasks are absurdly simple. The controls are pretty simple. And it's uh, been a massive hit with a bunch of people because it's such a unique video game. And the barrier to entry is so, so, so low. That's been the success of so many other games. Fortnite, same thing. League of Legends was the OG at this and just being like, hey, play our game for free. They're like, oh, okay, why not? Uh, and so it's been a really interesting to see a lot of those barriers to entry. And you mentioned on the streaming side as well. Streaming was really difficult to do even just two, three years ago. Like there's a, quite a few programs you had to do, make sure you had all the equipment set up. And it's been streamlined a lot uh, relatively recently allowing everybody to become streamers. Now it's also created a massive backlog of streamers on Twitch, but hey, at least they all could go live and could try to do it, which is great. Yeah, it's the same as podcasting, right? I mean, podcasting was not easy five <laughs> years ago, but sure, and right. everyone has one now, but is that really a bad thing? I mean, quality always rises to the top. Just because you have more of it doesn't mean that people refining their skills and being able to do so in a way that is cost effective to them, but allows them to explore their passions. How is that a negative? I, even if you've got five people watching you and you treat it like you've got 5 million subs, is that bad? If that's bringing joy and enjoyment to people and allowing them to further their personalities and develop skills. And as we've seen, you know, this is a way for individuals who maybe struggle sometimes with social skills and social interactions to gain confidence and to develop their voice. I mean, this is so huge culturally that, again, why, why wouldn't we want to be a part of that wave? Why wouldn't all of us want to support that? It, it's a rising tide situation. I mean, if all the boats are being lifted by this because someone's exploring it, because we have millions of beta testers at all times to make it cost effective, to make it easy and to make it something that's enjoyable for people. I, I, I see no downside to that as long as the gatekeepers, you know, create those gates in place so that there is a lack of, and, and really we get rid of all the toxicity that has surrounded certain parts of this over the past. But I think we're getting closer to that because people see 
do we want this to be closed off? Do we want this to be a certain group of people or do we want this to be universal? Do we want this to be a situation where politicians can sign on and play among us? Politicians can throw up yard signs and animal crossing and not only, you know, get the voice out to the right to vote and the want to vote, but also do so in a way that makes it feel comfortable. Like, I'm not saying we, we do it to where like Facebook used to be just for college kids and now only your grandma's on it. Like it's not going to become that with video games. And I don't think anyone who fears that really needs to worry about that from a cringe perspective. There's always going to be a hardcore element to gaming and there's always going to be a place for people to do those things. It's not a bad thing if we treat this like how you know, we treated Mario Kart when 64 first came out. It's okay if people like things. Like it's okay if a lot of people enjoy this. There will be ways for you to dive into cyberpunk and into extreme world building and RPGs the way that there always were. And you're going to have your little space because that's never going to be something that's going to cross over into the like cultural zeitgeist. Like it's okay if you play Skyrim for 10,000 hours by yourself, like we're still going to have a place for you. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't mean to come off like I'm elitist or like, ah, all these new gamers. No, it's a, it's a great, you didn't. I just, I see that as being like the natural repercussion for this is there's going to be people who are saying, oh, it's not fair. Like I remember when Twitch was just for real gamers. Like I, you could already hear it, you know? And like, okay, well your Twitch people are still doing it. And if you want to create a non Twitch version of that, People are going to try that and they already have, but like, it's okay that there is a mainstream way for people to stream video games and to feel connected to their friends and to even people they've never met who create a sense of community. At the end of the day, if that's what this does in a way that's safe and in a way that's inclusive, I, I see no downside. The inclusivity thing is a huge, huge, uh, important issue and especially on a lot of streams you know we've seen uh some of the most popular streamers are popular for not necessarily being the most upstanding people or in some cases like dr disrespect playing a character who is sort of a caricature of that now the actual guy guy beam is a really nice dude but dr disrespect is his character and he's a you know, he's, he's Dr. Disrespect. And same thing with guys like Tyler One, with XQC. A lot of times, and that's one of my concerns with everybody starting up a new Twitch stream, and maybe the same thing happens in podcasts with guys like Joe Rogan, not to cast uh, stones or something else while I'm doing uh, podcasting, but it can lead to people being slightly more toxic with the hope of becoming popular for it. And I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. I hope people recognize people like Dr. Lupo and Tim the Tapman and these different guys who have also become very popular, but they haven't done it by being toxic and talking shit and just being that kind of boisterous personality that sometimes rises to the top of Twitch. So, uh, you know, I just hope people recognize that there's uh, you don't have to be an asshole to be popular on Twitch. And I feel like sometimes uh, the Twitch streamers that get a lot of the press are the ones who are not really uh, supporting that inclusivity that you can see. So it, we need a better atmosphere for everyone on these gaming platforms. And I think I think a lot of streamers are focusing on that and trying to create that. Like you mentioned how uh, two politicians can go on and play Among Us with a whole group of streamers. That's not something we see even two years ago. And it's because of how uh, ubiquitous Twitch has gotten and also that they feel like they can use it as a platform where it'll actually be a positive one. Now, Twitch chat during that was uh, something. Uh, it's something yeah. to behold, for sure. That's still something that I think needs to, you know, 
we need to get to a better place with that. But I mean, generally, we need to get to a better place with that on anything socially driven, whether it's Twitter, whether that's Facebook, whether that's YouTube, whether that's anything. I, I think in general, there is a, it's very easy to create toxic commentary in a commenting section, in a chat, you know, in replies and ads. And when you have bots to deal with on top of it, and you have misinformation campaigns, and you have memes, and you have, you know, an inability to control that due to the fact that things that are shared at that level are shared, you know, to the nth degree versus things that are positive. And, you know, certain companies were complicit in that. And media as a whole is complicit in that because outrage sells a lot more quickly than positivity does. I, I think generally we need a cleansing of some sorts and, and, and a rebranding of, of how we approach these things. And it, again, I'm not saying anything we're doing is going to change that, but it's, it's, a, it's small decisions you know, collectively that lead to larger ones. And one of the small decisions we've made and what we're going to do coverage-wise is we're not covering people who who churn through outrage on purpose to create you know a response we don't that's not for us we're not gonna we're not dealing with phase clan fights and you know guys who decide that they want to you know create beef on purpose you know if there's a true real reason to cover it that's one thing if there's a trend piece to be explored there about what this is doing to us societally we'll have that discussion and that conversation but I don't see a need for us to cover that the same way we would cover opportunities in gaming and explore the difficult conversations and the difficult topics that we need to have culturally and in gaming as a whole, when that energy could be attributed to those things. And I think that's, it's a hard promise to make and it's a hard bargain when, you know, you're still playing the clicks game, but I think we find ourselves with edge in a really unique space where this is a project that is dedicated to those sorts of storylines and to those topics and to the exploration of the culture of gaming. And I don't think that there's a cultural narrative or conversation to be had about trash talk, about toxicity, about negativity, unless it's about us trying to rise ourselves above that. And I think, and I hope I really do that we're in a, we're in a place right now where we've seen the results of the last few years. And I think we all aren't enjoying what we're seeing in the mirror. I, 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 I can't imagine that too many of us are looking up at, at where we've gone over the last few years and that social media has had a lot to do with it and saying to ourselves, you know what, give me, give me another decade of that. This is so much fun. We're having a great time online. I know. I think what we want is to scale back a little bit and maybe try to find a better way. And again, I, I'm not saying this is an A, then B or an if then statement. I, I think we all need to make decisions. We all need to make you know short term, smaller decisions, opting in, opting out and actually acknowledging, is this something we want to be a part of? And if everyone is doing so individually, then collectively, you can start to create a trend that's a lot more positive in general. And I think gaming is just the same way that sports is reflective and it's a microcosm of larger societal issues. And so we have them what seems like at a greater rate, sometimes to people's detriment where they think that there's too much in sports. 
Well, no, I mean, it's just the same amount as anywhere else. We're just seeing it because there's only 450 NBA players. Well, these are the same conversations everyone's having. So I think gaming is just reflective of that. And that the same conversations, the same narratives, the same topics, the same things that we're grappling with challenges and opportunities are there in gaming the same way they are by all of us walking down the street on a daily you know, basis. It's just, we're going to see it more frequently, more consistently, and sometimes in a more radical way than we would when we're just like not online. I personally am having a terrible time online lately. So I agree. I, I miss the sense of discovery that used to be used to abound on the internet. And now I still find it reading a lot of great publications. I think of places like the ringer I think of places like up rocks uh, that really have these insightful and awesome stories, but increasingly our online attention has been dominated by social media. And that's something that hopefully changes or hopefully we create a better ecosystem overall, because we're probably never going to leave social media behind. So hopefully you find a better uh, ecosystem for everything online and online content. And Martin, you're one of the people leading the way, you know, for people who uh, enjoyed this conversation, I'm sure you're going to like the content that Uproxx Edge and the rest of Uproxx produces with people like Martin in charge of that direction. You can tell he's a thoughtful guy uh, and really knows where, what matters in current culture and the content they publish is going to reflect that. So on that note, Martin, we're going to be publishing this after uh, Uprox Edge has already gone live. So tell people what they can expect if they hop over to Uprox Edge right now on the site. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think in general, just you're going to see a lot of playful, fun, but also thought provoking things. I Not everything is going to be something that is going to require 20 minutes to read that you're going to want to share with your friends. I mean, I, I wish we could do the sort of job that places like the Atlantic and NPR are doing when they do deep dives. But, you know, we're going to try when we have our chances. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think we'll be in the sandbox for this. So I think even three months from now, what we're publishing on edge is going to be different than when we published day one. But I mean, definitely read our looks at the game Hades, as well as anything we do on fall guys, which is, I mean, such a fun game. It's basically taking everything that Mario party was. And I remember how much fun I had when I first played Mario party. I mean, fall guys is amazing. <laughs> and we see like what, what's going on with wipeout and how much fun like people have watching wipeout to be able to watch that in real time when your friends are like making drastically terrible decisions on Twitch and you see them and you can, you know, and you're screaming to yourself, don't do that. Don't do that. Then they get slapped with that, you know, something and get knocked right off the platform. It's awesome. It's so much fun. But um, yeah, I think we have a very, very long way to go. I think, you know, both as a site, uh, you know, Uprox as a whole, as well as what we're trying to do at Edge, there's always changes to be made and always conversations to be had. And I, I just hope that, you know, we look at Edge six months from now and, and it's something that people are proud of. It's something that 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 all of us are proud of. Um, and so I, I think in general, yeah, keep an eye out for what we're doing there. But, uh, you know, take a look at our essays and take a look at some of the writers that we're bringing in and some of the, the explorations, the topics that we're going to be, you know, discussing and, and deep diving into and, Hopefully there's something there for you. And if there isn't today, I, it's kind of the model that I used to take when I would create playlists um, in college. Like I, I always used to say, not not every song is going to be one that you like, but everyone in this room is going to like at least one song that's being played. And I, I, I think that's going to be our approach for what we, what we like to do and tackle with gaming and especially Edge. I love that. I'm really excited to read Uproxx Edge and I encourage all of our listeners to do so as well. It, one of my favorite things about being a gaming journalist is that this is a 
space that is constantly changing, constantly evolving. There is no shortage and never will be a shortage of things to write about in this world. So be looking forward to reading what Uprox produces, you know, learning about Fall Guys and the beautiful combination of absurdity and competition that Fall Guys represents. So uh, we'll be looking out for a lot of great Uprox content. To our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I'll be coming back to you later this week with an episode with Sub Nation. He's, uh, they just hired a new advisor who was a producer. Uh, let me see if I can name off all his credits. I believe it was Shark Tank, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader, The Voice, uh, The Espies, and more. Uh, and he's joined Sub Nation as an advisor. And we talk actually about one of the coverage areas of Uproxx, which is that overlap of film and gaming. So if you enjoyed this show, I'll bet you enjoy that one. That'll be coming out in a few days. As always, I was your host, Mitch Reams. This was the Esports Network Podcast in partnership with Reuters. Thanks for listening.